Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word, reveal Jesus to me, and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember one morning. That morning was a real morning. And one I can never forget. I was upstairs sitting at my desk, reading my Bible and praying. And I said, Lord, open my eyes. And then in a flash, I saw it. I saw my oneness with Christ. I saw that I was in him and that when he died, I died. I saw that the question of my death was a matter of the past And not of the future. And that I was just as truly dead as he was. Because I was in him when he died on the cross. The whole thing had dawned upon me. I was carried away with such joy at this great discovery. That I jumped from my chair and I cried out. Praise the Lord. I am dead. I ran downstairs. And I met one of the brothers helping in the kitchen and laid hold of him. Brother, I said, do you know that I have died? I must admit, he looked a little puzzled. What do you mean, he said. So I went on. Do you not know that Christ has died? Do you not know that I died with him? Do you not know that my death is no less truly a fact than his? Oh, it was so real to me. I longed to go through the streets of Shanghai, shouting the news of my discovery. From that day to this day, I have never for one moment doubted the finality of that word. I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 That's a portion from a book entitled The Normal Christian Life by author and missionary and evangelist Watchman Nee. And here's the point of that portion. Every Christian's old sinful self died spiritually when he or she identified with Jesus' death on the cross At their salvation. You're not the old sinner that you used to be. We're in a series on this campus that I'm calling God's best in me. Come on, would you say it with me? Come on, say it with me. God's best in me. And the subtitle is Developing Christ-like Character. Now, I just want to 
review a little bit to kind of catch us up. In Ephesians chapter 4, somewhere around verses 11, 12, and 13, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to a church like ours. And he says, listen, I need for you to know that Christ had given some people to be a gift to the church. And one of those gifts is a pastor and a teacher so that he can nurture and so that he can strengthen and he can care for and he can feed the flock. And then he says, so that we can all be edified and prepared and built up for the work of the ministry. That's something all of us get to be part of. Every family member has a specific task in the family. And then he goes on and he says, that's supposed to happen. So much so until you're unified together in your faith, in knowing who Jesus is. And here's the ultimate goal. So that you grow up and you become spiritually mature. Say mature. Mature, right? Looking more and more like Jesus, who is the example, the ultimate example of spiritual maturity. That's in Ephesians chapter 4. Why is that a big deal? That's a big deal because, I don't know if you know this or not, but one of the main goals, if not the main goal, is for every person who's made a profession of faith in Christ, every person, whether you're 12 years old or 16 years old or 75 years old, no matter what age you are, every person who said, I want to follow Jesus, the goal for that person is to grow unto spiritual maturity. That's the goal. That's the grand goal for every Christian. Some people might say, well, Pastor Robert, what does that look like? Like, I'm only 16. Come on. Or, Pastor Robert, come on. I've lived my life. I'm 75. Does that make a difference? Yes. Every person should be developing spiritually and becoming more and more like Christ. That's the goal. What does it look like? It looks like spiritual fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience. Catch this. Not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faith. Some translations say faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. Self, that's called the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is not apples and oranges. Fruit is what the Holy Spirit produces in and through my life and your life. It's the characteristics of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is the characteristics of the Spirit of Christ that lives in every believer. If you've accepted Jesus, all of this fruit is in you. And you're like, thank God, because my husband needs to develop that fruit, right? Some of you husbands might be, thank God, my wife needs to develop that fruit over there. Listen, the good news is, the fruit is in you. The fruit belongs to you. If Jesus' Spirit is in you, when you accepted Him, He's in you, the fruit belongs to you already. 
That doesn't necessarily mean you're developed in it, but it belongs to you. Amen. There's a difference. What could fruit look like? What, what could some other examples of spiritual maturity look like? This is a great list, but this isn't a complete list. This is like fundamental, foundational. Just come on, let me, let me talk to the crowd. What's another indicator? One indicator of someone who's growing and growing and becoming more and more mature. What's an indicator? Come on, anybody? Reading the Bible. Yes. That's, that's like, okay, so I've been a Christian for uh, six months. I finally believe that reading the Bible makes a difference. I'm taking a step, and I'm reading the Bible three times a week. Come on, that's some, that's some fruit. That's some fruit, amen? Isn't that fruit? Com- compared to reading it zero times a week, that's fruit, right? That's a great one. Thank you for that, Rebecca. Come on, anybody else? Praying. Praying. That's some fruit, right? Not just for your food, though. No? <laughs> that's some fruit, right? Praying, because prayer makes a difference. That's an indicator that someone is growing spiritually, and they're becoming more. What's another one? Come on, anybody else? A desire to work in the ministry. A desire to serve. God's given you a gift. Everybody's gift is different, right? And you're supposed to at some point say, okay, I can do this. I'm going to share it. I'm going to share. That's, that's an indicator of spiritual growth and mature. One more. Anybody else got one more? Yeah, learning to speak to others about Christ, being a witness. Oh, don't get me on that one, Barbara. I might preach a whole different message right now, right? Right? Did you know that very, very, I'm not, now listen, I'm not being condemning. Part of my role is to feed us and to nurture us and to lovingly challenge us, right? Statistically speaking, most Christians for one reason or another, and there's a few, they don't share Christ with other people. It's just not something that's in our comfort zone. But thank God, we're going to grow in the grace to do that at this church. We're going to, little by little by little. So those are some other great indicators. Reading our Bible, praying, serving, sharing faith with other people, so on and so forth. How about this? Controlling my tongue. Because it doesn't necessarily say that in the Bible. It might. In James, right? The tongue is a fire. We need to learn how to restrain it. But controlling my tongue, when I just want to let it fly. Come on, anybody ever been there besides me or is it just me? Come on. I think all of us can relate. Come on. We just want to give them a piece of my mind. Well, you know, God doesn't want you to give him a piece of your mind. He wants you to give him a piece of his mind. See, that's part of spiritual growth. Okay, listen. With a show of hands, don't be bashful. How many believe you got a little bit of room for some spiritual growth? Come on. Come on, let's be honest. Every Christian, every Christian's goal is to grow spiritually. Now, last week, if you weren't here, I want you to go to our podcast or our Lakeshore Gastonia Facebook post because I shared that before a Christian can truly learn to let Christ live through them, and develop Christ-like character, the very, very first step is this. I must know, K-N-O-W, that I am not the same 
sinful person I used to be. Pastor Robert, you don't know me, man. I sinned on the way to church. I'm not talking about what you do. I'm talking about who you are. And I'll explain more. At the core, fundamentally, you're not the same sinful person you used to be. And part of the problem that so many Christians have, letting Christ live through them, is not knowing that their old sinful self is dead. And this knowing isn't something that you intuitively know because you're smart. This knowing comes from a revelation from God. Meaning God pulls back the curtain of your heart. He opens the eyes of your heart. And He shows you something that you've never seen before. And that is your old sinful self is dead, buried, and gone. You can't just know that on your own. It takes a revelation from the Spirit of God. Catch the podcast if you missed it. I'm taking us on a pathway. And I'm going to show us four very, very specific steps that all of us can take. No matter how long you've been a Christian, 50 years or a year. All of us can take these four steps in order to develop Christ-like character and become mature. And here's the four steps. I'm just going to name them, and then we're going to cover step number two because we covered step number one last week. Get the podcast. Here's the four steps. Knowing, counting, presenting, walking. Pastor Robert, those... I'm going to make sense. Stay with me, okay? So here's the question. Here's the question. How do we access, lay hold of, utilize the Christ-like fruit or character that's already in me so that we develop and become mature? That's the question. How do we do that? The question is not, How do you live in and through your own natural efforts to become more like Christ? I'm not asking that question. That's not possible. How do we access the Spirit of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ in us as new creatures in Christ? How do we access that so that Christ lives through us instead of me trying to live in my own efforts? That's the question I'm asking. The title of today's message, if you're taking notes, it's a fill-in-the-blank on your sermon guide, Counting My Old Self Dead. Come on, would you say it with me? Counting My Old Self Dead. And I want us to read through Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. It's kind of lengthy, kind of beefy. I'm not going to take too long. But listen, I don't want to rush. I don't want to rush because I want you to get this. This is a powerful portion of Scripture. And I'm going to be reading out of the disciples' literal New Testament translation today. It's on the screen. It's not in your sermon guide, but it will be on the screen. Apostle Paul is writing. He just finished chapter 5. And he basically said, through Jesus, grace abounded. Through Jesus, life abounded was made available. Through Jesus, you've been forgiven. Through Jesus, you've been created new. All that was on you through Adam and his sin has been cut off, has been put away, has died. 
through Jesus. Now grace is available through Jesus. And then he gets right here in verse 1, Romans 6. Therefore, what shall we say? Should we be counting or continuing in sin in order that grace might increase? Like, okay, so grace is there. Should we just keep living in sin because grace is there? Verse 2. May it never be. How shall we, who died to sin, live in it? He's asking a rhetorical question like, it doesn't even make sense for a Christian to want to continue in sin because you died to sin with Jesus on the cross. And I'm going to emphasize that in a moment. He's like, that doesn't even make sense. How could we want to do that? Verse 3. Or do you not know that all we who were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Now, I want to I split hairs for a moment uh, because there's commentaries, Bible scholars, who would say this is referring to water baptism. Some others would say it's not. It's not referring to water baptism. I'm going to show you. And some will say it's referring to both. I think it's referring to both. But I want to show you primarily and fundamentally, it's not referring to water baptism first. Notice he says, Do you not know that all we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Not baptized into water, baptized into his death. Baptism is not just water baptism. The word baptism means to be immersed or to submerge or to be put under or to be put all in. So the point he's trying to make here is that when you accepted Jesus... The Holy Spirit regenerated you, caused you to become a new creation, and He supernaturally, somehow, He baptized you in Jesus. He placed you in the family of God, in Jesus, and He put you in Jesus' death when He died on the cross. How did He do that? I don't know, but He did. I'm going to prove it. Look, therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into, what's the next word? Death. Death, not water. We're buried into death in order that just as Christ arose from the dead, that's his resurrection, through the glory of the Father, so also we might walk in newness of life. So Christ died, we died with him. When Christ was resurrected, we were resurrected with him. Now we walk in newness of life. Look at verse 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Every Christian's going to die, but every Christian's body will be resurrected when Christ returns. But every Christian can live now resurrection life through the power of the spirit of life that lives in us today while we're alive. Notice verse 6. This is so powerful. This was a key verse for last week. Knowing this, that our old person was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with. In order that the power of sin, the compulsion to sin, the natural human inclination to want to sin and do things that are against God and God's will and God's word and God's way. That person has been cut off. There's no more power available for that person. Why? Because our old person was crucified with him. Not talking about your body. 
your spirit. The person you used to be in the spirit, when Christ was crucified, that person was crucified with him. Look at verse 7. For the one having died has been declared righteous from sin. It's talking about you. If you've received Jesus, this is saying your old sinful self has died. And now you're free from sin. You're righteous before God. You're forgiven. You're a brand new person. Verse 8. And if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. That starts now. Not when we get to heaven. Knowing that Christ, having arisen from the dead, dies no more. Death lords over Him no longer. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that he is living, he is living to God. Here's our key verse for today. Verse 11. So also you, be counting yourselves to be dead to sin, but living to God in Christ Jesus. Wow. So also you, likewise, like Jesus did, you do this too. Be counting yourselves, your old selves, Not your new self, your old sinful self, to be dead, to sin, but living to God in Christ Jesus. What if there was a way for you today as a human being, filled with the very Spirit of God in your life, to live in such a way where it's not you living, but it's Christ living through you? What if there was a way for you to Think the thoughts that come from Christ. To say the words that come from Christ. To respond with actions that come from Christ. What if there was a way for you to be so moved, influenced, and and compelled to allow the Spirit of Christ to live through you instead of you living through you? Wouldn't that be good news? Wouldn't that be helpful to you? I don't know about you, but there are times... When I've done things that I regretted doing. Anybody identify with that? Have you ever said something? And as soon as you said it, you wish you had never said it. Come on, I'm going to get a little personal for us, okay? Oh, let's start, let's start on the outside. Do you know anybody who might be stuck in a habit? Or a sinful ditch and no matter how hard they want to try to get away from it they just can't seem to break the habit now it could be cussing it could be drinking it could be smoking it could be drugs it could be women it could be men All kinds of stuff is in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, that talks about the works of the fleshly, ungodly, carnal appetite. Sexual sins, immorality, idolatry, drugs, divisions, strife, partying, worldliness. And then he talks about, no, no, no. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be growing in the character of Christ. Listen, I'm going to just tell you, just because somebody says yes to Jesus and decides to follow them, that doesn't mean all of their bad habits just drop off of them like that. 
It might have for you and it might for some people, but that wasn't my personal experience. I'm not saying that can't happen, but it's probably not the norm. There's a developmental process that has to take place. A Christian goes from crawling in his diapers spiritually to putting on his huggies and then he starts to toddle her a little bit, right? Spiritually, right? And then he gets a little older in elementary school and he's developing his muscles. Listen, follow me. Then he gets to high school and he gets to college and now he's growing. And then he becomes a spiritual mommy and a daddy and he's helping others grow. And then they become spiritual grandmas and grandpas. And they've got adult kids spiritually that are feeding adult kids of their own spiritually. And everyone from generation to generation is growing and allowing Christ to live through them instead of them living through themselves. That's the goal. This is so important. Let's look at verse 11 in a couple of other versions. Listen, the Amplified says it this way. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin. The CEV version, contemporary English version, puts it this way. You must think of yourselves as dead to the power of sin. The NCB version says, you must regard yourselves as being dead to sin. The New King James, that's a version I use. I like this word. It says, reckon. And that's kind of Southern too, isn't it? (laughs) I reckon so. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed. To sin. Reckon, consider, think of, regard, count. Here's the second step in these four steps on the pathway to becoming more like Christ. Here's a fill in the blank, step number two. I must learn to count my old self dead. Come on, say it with me. Come on, I know you're awake. I must learn to count. My old self dead. Pastor Robert, isn't that the same as knowing? You talked about knowing your old self is dead last week. No, it's not the same. You can only count after you know. Counting supports knowing. And counting yourself dead is different than knowing you're dead. Let me explain. The word count... The New King James reckon. I want to share the Greek word with you. The Greek word is logizomai. Say it with me. Come on, it's fun. Logizomai. L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. It's on your sermon guide. Logizomai. Here's the definition of count or reckon or consider. Logizomai. To count, to compute, or to calculate. Sound familiar? It should because it's a mathematical or an accounting term that means to take a factual inventory and then come to the conclusion, I'll add this, based on the facts. One plus one is what? Two plus two is... Okay, will that ever change? It's factual. You count it. You take an inventory. You do the math. Let me give you a practical example. 
Anybody like money? Okay. Here's a practical example. If I count, or if I reckon, if I logizumai that my bank account has $1,000 in it, it's because it has $1,000 in it. Otherwise, I'm deceiving myself. For example, I can't try to count or try to reckon my way from $500 to $1,000 if it's not in my account. That's deception. You can say you've got $1,000 over and over and over and over, but when you go to your bank account and you do the math and you take a factual inventory, you've got 500 bucks, man. So you can't count unless you know. Why is that important? Because this word refers to fact, not assumption, not opinion, and not feelings. It's a fact. And it's crucial that we know this. Here's a fill in the blank letter A. It's crucial that we know this because, listen, here's a fill in the blank. God is not telling me to count myself dead to sin so that I will be dead. He is telling me to count myself dead to sin because in Christ, I already am dead. Pastor Robert, you're getting excited. You don't know the old me. Me knowing that the old me is dead is good news. Me knowing that my old sinful self that was compelled to live outside of God, that was compelled to live by the enemy, that was compelled to live in sin, in thought, in word, in deed, to live like the rest of the world, it's good news when I know that I know that I know I have been crucified with Christ. So God's not telling you to count yourself dead to sin so that you will be dead. No. He's counting yourself dead so He wants you to count yourself dead because you are already dead. But you can't count unless you know. So you got to see from God this knowing. How do you know? Look at Romans 6, 2 through 7. Just going to read these real quick as a reminder. How shall we who died, who died, To sin, still live in it. That's past tense. Look at verse 3. Or do you not know that all we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Look at verse 4. Therefore we were buried. Who gets buried? Dead people get buried. We were buried with Him through baptism into death. Look at verse 5. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His Death. Look at verse 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old person was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin or the power of sin might be done away with so that we no longer are slaves to sin. For the one having died, past tense, has been declared righteous or free from sin. Come on, say it. I'm free from sin. 
Pastor Robert, you don't understand. I still do this. I still do that. I'm not talking about you being free from every action. I'm talking about your human nature that was sinful, that came from Adam. That person was cut off and died at the cross with Jesus. Jesus is the start of a whole new form of humanity. Men that could be renewed, made new, have the Spirit of God in them and be in fellowship and oneness with God. Through Jesus, that happens. This is freeing. This is a pathway. How do I live so that Christ lives through me? How do I stop doing the things I don't want to do and do the things I do want to do? How do I stop from being depressed and discouraged and hopeless? How do I stop that habit that's bad for my body Oh, Pastor Robert, how you're getting your stepping on my toes. The body, that's not that big of a deal. It is. I'm not being condemning. I'm just saying. The Bible says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And the best form of staying healthy is to recognize that our body belongs to God. That's an effort message. It's a different message. He cares about your body and he wants you to be healthy. So, Pastor Robert, okay, I have to count my old self dead. How? How? How do I do that? It's a good question. I'm going to show you. And I think part of the answer is in this Greek word, logizomai. Let me show you. Look at it again, logizomai. L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. If you have it on your sermon guide, underline L-O-G. Because the root word of logizomai comes from the Greek word logos. L-O-G-O-S. Logos. And logos is defined as this. A word or saying. An account which one gives by word of mouth. Logos. It's a word, a saying, something spoken It's an account that I give by word of mouth. In other words, when I logizomai, when I count, when I reckon things that are calculated in my mind and in my spirit are then expressed in words. Logos, words, spoken. This means a big part of counting or reckoning is thinking something through, then saying it in alignment with what God already says is factual and true about you. That's counting. That's reckoning. Let's look at an example by Jesus when he was tempted to sin by the devil, okay? Now, if we can learn by how Jesus dealt with temptation in his counting and his reckoning, what God already said is true or was true, then we can learn from Jesus how to do that in our everyday life. When we're tempted to act outside of the characteristic of Christ, if we can see how Jesus do it, we could do it too. Matthew 4, 1 through 4, I'm reading out of the NLT. Listen to what it says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted There by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the time when he was very hungry, 
the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Come on, how many of you would have caved and done it? I probably, David, you would have caved and done it. I would have too, right? We would have caved. Notice the first thing the devil does. He tries to get Jesus to question his own identity. And he'll do that to you and me every time. Look at Jesus' response in verse 4. But Jesus told him, No! The Scriptures say, People, come on, read it with me. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What was he saying? He's saying, devil, you got it so wrong. You can't tempt me to get out of who I am. It takes way more than food for me to live, way more than food for people to live. What people really need is spiritual food that comes from what God said. That's what we need. That's how we really live. Now, if you study this out, you'll notice he said that over and over. The New King James says, he says, no, it is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. And it's interesting because what Jesus did in that moment, if you didn't know this, this is worth knowing. Jesus didn't just make something up right there. He actually quoted from what was already written in Deuteronomy chapter 8 in the Old Testament. He didn't come up with his own Bible verse, although he could have because he was the Word, right? Anything he would have said would have been the Word. But he didn't. He said, it is written. The Scriptures say. God already said in the book. God already put it down on paper. That's what I'm staying with. He didn't just try to do it on his own. He didn't just try to fight temptation on his own. Notice that. No. My father said, it is written. And he quoted the scriptures. He quoted the word. This is counting. This is logizomai. This is reckoning. Here's a letter filled in the blank. Letter B. The way I count myself dead when the devil tempts me to act outside of the character of Christ is... I align my mind and words with what God says is factual and true about my old self. Can somebody say amen? In the moment that the devil's trying to tempt you, uh, those of you that are young and you're still in school, high school, middle school, you're going to go to college, there's all kinds of other kids that are going to be around you trying to tempt you to act outside of the character of Christ. Jesus is showing you how to defeat that temptation right here. You can't just go with the flow. You can't just respond from the old person you used to be. No, 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 no. You have to recognize that you have to count yourself dead to sin in that moment. How do you do that? You align your mind and your words with what God says is factual about you, regardless of what other students are saying or doing. This is applicable to us that are older also. In other words, you could say something like this. Nope, 
I have been crucified with Christ. That old person is dead. So I count myself as dead. That's outside of the character of Christ in me and the new life that I live now by the power of God. Amen. Just by thinking that and aligning your heart and your mind with that and then saying that, what does that do? It makes that lying sucker, the devil, flee. Just like he did when Jesus did that. This is real. The devil's on the prowl. He's going to try to tempt you at every, every angle. And you got to know how to count your old self as dead. You're calculating. You're reckoning. What God has already done and what God has already said is true and factual. This is how you resist the devil. This is how you allow the character of Christ to live through you. This is how you shut down the old sinful nature in the heat of the moment. You count yourself dead. Look at 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Notice what he's doing. Seeking whom he may devour. Look at verse 9. Come on, read it with me. Resist him steadfast in the faith. That word resist, the Greek word antistomy, it's a two-part word. Anti means against, and histomy means to cause to stand. Resist means to stand against. The word suggests vigorously opposing Bravely resisting, standing face to face against an adversary, standing your ground. Let me, let me emphasize that. In that moment that you're tempted, he's not asking you to take ground that doesn't belong to you. He's asking you to resist the devil and stand the ground that already belongs to you. You fight from victory, not for victory. You count your old sinful self as dead because God already killed him at the cross when he was crucified, when you said yes to Jesus. So you're not trying to get something you don't have. You're fighting and you're standing for and you're resisting the enemy for what already belongs to you. This is real. This is spiritual 101 and we got to know this. So what does all this mean, Pastor Robert, for me moving forward? Last fill in the blank, letter C. As I learn to count my old self dead, I position myself to live from the life of Christ within me by new birth, and His nature is to not commit sin. Wow. I know that's challenging, But this is true. This is factual. Notice what it says in 1 John 3, 9. Last verse for the morning, then we're done. Listen to this. So powerful. No one who is born of God, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually, practices sin. Why? Because God's seed... His principle of life, the essence of His righteous character, remains permanently in Him or her who is born again, who is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for His purpose. And He who is born again 
cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin. Why? Because he or she is born of God and longs to please God. What does this mean? As a Christian, you have a new nature. And it comes directly from the Father. His seed, His spiritual seed, has been deposited on the inside of you. And now, your nature is to no longer powerlessly, my nature is to no longer powerlessly give myself to living sinful before God. Pastor Robert, sin is fun. I didn't say it wasn't. Come on, the Bible says sin is fun for a season. That season can last five minutes. It can last five years. It's fun. But it always leads to death. It always leads to separation from God. Did you know that learning to let the character of Christ live through your life will be so beneficial to you? It'll help you in your relationship with your parents. It'll help you in relationship with your spouses if you're married. It'll help you on the job. It'll keep you from quitting a job that you shouldn't have quit because you lost your temper. Come on, I've done that before. It'll give you favor because you're so gentle and you're so kind-hearted and you're so others-focused that it will cause God to see your boss and move in his heart and give you raises and give you promotions. Living through the character of Christ is a major blessing for God's people. And now as a Christian, you have the very nature of the Holy Spirit living in you who is now inclined to please God every day of your life. Have you been blessed by the word today? Come on, stand to your feet and let's pray. Pastor Robert, that was okay, I guess, but what do I do now? What do I do? That was a teaching, okay, but what do I do? Very practically, number one, you have to seek from God a knowing. Seek from God a knowing that your old sinful self is dead. Be convinced. Spend time reading your Bible. Go over these notes. Pray. Seek a knowing from God. Number two, second step, and we're going to end it right now. Ask God to help you count yourself dead to sin and alive to God. Ask Him to help you. That's your step. Every day ask Him, God, help me today to count my old self as dead to sin. When I want to do that, count it. Reckon it. Align your heart, your mind, and your words with God. His truth supersedes your feelings. Father, we love you and we honor you today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the word. Thank you for encouraging us and speaking to us and teaching us. Holy Spirit, I pray now that you would take this message and you would make it so easy to understand for every person that was here and every person who might be catching this Facebook message, Lord. If I didn't make it easy and simple, or if there's any area where it wasn't easy and simple, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you, make it easy and simple to us so that we can understand it and we can walk this out. We thank you for the nature of Christ that lives in us. We yield to him. Holy Spirit, live through us, develop us, help us to become more and more like Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name and everybody said...
Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.